0: right here we go I'm going to preach fast so listen quickly Um, I'm tickled this morning we're going to do week number two in our series get it in 2020 Um, you ever talk to somebody and you've tried to explain over and over and over to your 15 year old son why you can't leave towels on the bathroom floor for an hour and a half and you finally go you know what they just don't get it I don't know if they'll ever get it but right now they don't, so I'm not going to argue, and I don't have to prove my point anymore. This is my house. Either get your pals off the floor or get out. I love you. God bless you. You know, um, there is a, a friend of mine in, in Tennessee uh, posted yesterday. He said there is. Oh, let's see how did he say it. There's thematic. He said I, uh, he's a pastor. He said I know there's thematic expository preaching. There's narrative. Expository preaching, there's topical expository preaching, and then he showed a picture of a mutual friend of ours, a pastor, who had posted that he does now, by accident, he said, suppository preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and we we're like, did you even tell him you got a screenshot of that? Because I know it's, he's going to take it off, but we have it saved forever. So, how many of you are glad I'm not going to give you a suppository message this morning? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, don't go there, this is just a little set up. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I shared last week, I feel the confidence of the Lord, not arrogance in my own abilities or flesh, but I feel confidence from Him. That there are some things in my life. Some of them it took me a while to get. But I got it. And Candace and I, there's things as a married couple and as a family, as parents. Things that we, we've gotten them. We're never going to lose them. We got it. I don't have to go around that mountain anymore. And there's five of them that I shared. And this is the first of the five that we talked about last week. And I want to share it with you And I I want to encourage, you know, as I shared last week, just to remind you, you know, you, you want a leader who has been to a place that you haven't been, that you need to go, and he's willing or she's willing to lead you in such a way that can effectively help you get there. And I know the principle of headship from Ephesians. As the head goes, so goes the body, and that, that gives me great responsibility as a husband, as a father. As the often as the husband, the father goes, so goes the family, and so I understand that, and I'm accountable to the Lord and to you. and And I want to say, you know, this is some stuff that we need to get. You know, imitate me as I do everything I can to imitate Christ on this one. And it is, the title this morning is First Things First from Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and these things will be given to you. Many of you know this is the middle of the three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Verse 33, this text comes from the next to the last verse in that chapter. And in the chapter, Jesus is telling us, here's some things, if you want to live, and that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about, here's the new covenant, here's my message summed up in three chapters. You know, he starts with the Beatitudes, and chapter 7, ask, you'll receive, and build your house not on the sand, but on the rock. And and right here in the middle, he's talking about, listen, you really want to live. And that's what he wants us to do is to live. Early part of this chapter, he says, don't do these things. And there's a long list. He says, like, be careful about living the Christian life just to be seen by others. He said, if you do that, that's your reward. Others will go, oh, wow, that's a nice conservative person. They've got their act together. Then he goes on, he says, you know, when you give to the needy, um, you don't always have to take a selfie on Facebook as you're putting your check in the offering. You know, he said, if you do that, that's your reward. And you've you've disqualified yourself from the heavenly reward. And the reward will be people are impressed. He goes on, he says, you know, when you pray, um, don't, do big flowery phrases to be heard by others. If you do, and again, he's he's talking about this religious, self-righteous, you know, Pharisaical, empty way of doing church in Christianity. You know, you don't use big old King James words. You know, just talk, be real. And he says, um, I mean, he he nails us. He says, when you fast don't go around, you know, acting all weak. Like, you know, don't forget your makeup when you fast. And like he would say, you might want to consider putting a little more on so that people won't realize you're fasting. I want to just pause and say, this is really serious because we Americans, we're performers. I'm a performer. You know, it's my personality. Overachievers in this room. Be careful when you fast because if you are fasting to make everybody aware of what you're doing, I mean, I I sense the sweetness of the Lord coming in here. He, He rewards openly what is done secretly unto Him. But if you do it to be seen or to be known, that's your reward. His reward is so great, don't disqualify yourself. From getting that reward, and he goes on on this theme, and he was like, "Don't do these things if you want to live. Don't store up treasures here on earth. You know they're not going to last, moth and rust. They'll they'll be corrupted. Store up treasures in heaven where they'll last forever." And then he he reminds us, you know, and he's he's getting us to verse thirty three, and he says, "Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be." by the way, you can't have two masters. Everybody can only have one. And he he mentions, he touches a nerve, he says, you can't serve God and money. And the word mammon there is a massive great series and subject of what he's talking about. But just keeping it real and making it practical and here I am saying, I've learned this stuff and Then he goes, look, stop worrying. Stop it. By worrying, you're not adding a single hour to your life. You're losing hours by worrying. And he says, he he had to be just standing there going, you know, look at the lilies out there on that hillside. Look, they don't worry. They don't go to their closet and go, "What am I going to wear today?" They don't stress about. The, and he says, "And look at him, Solomon, Bill Gates. He doesn't have a. He doesn't have a closet like they have. God Himself clothes them. How simple! And this is. Remember, I said last. The disciples said, "Jesus, why are you teaching in parables?" And he said, "Because the prophet said I would teach in parables. I'm teaching in parables." I'm using a little stinking flour on that hillside to help you get it. He says, don't, don't do that. The birds, look, look at those birds. They are not stressing about where their next meal is coming from. God will make sure they get fed. And so he says, again, don't worry. He says it three times from like verse 26 to verse 32. Don't Worry. I want to say to somebody this morning you got to get this so you can have liberty and freedom this year. Stop it. It's not helping, it's making things worse. He says, So don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Stop doing this, stop doing this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that we've talked about, they will be given to you. This morning I want to talk to you about first things first. Seek first His kingdom. Look at me. His kingdom. Get in His culture. His atmosphere. Understand the way His principles and the laws in His universe, the spiritual universe Make it your top priority to get in and abide by those principles, those laws. And His righteousness. Righteousness is a word that just simply means to be in the right position before God. You may remember Jesus was getting ready to be baptized by John the Baptist and John said, I can't baptize you in humility, in genuine humility. And Jesus said, no, it's necessary to fulfill all righteousness this needs to happen to me for me to get in the right position in the earth before god so that others can come after me and they'll go through this too and they'll get in the right position before god they'll be clothed in righteousness and so jesus says don't do this don't do this do stop doing this but here's the one thing you need to do if you really want to live Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Learn how to work on his glo- in His globe the way things work in His kingdom. And be cognizant when you are not in the right position with God. Try to stay in that covered in that righteousness. And we know what He did on the cross covers us. But we have to be cognizant, aware When we step out and away from the covering and we don't appropriate the truth of His righteousness by worrying, by striving and stressing and working in manipulative ways that are outside the kingdom of God. Everybody tracking with me. Um, Make God number one in your life. Put Him first. Love what He loves want what he wants be about his kingdom not about church not about praying most gracious heavenly don't stop that not about fasting not about need being having a need to impress others with your spirituality but distill it down and just do this seek his kingdom first and his righteousness um, and the, then he says, all of these things, everything I've just talked about, it'll be added unto you. This is as basic as it gets, isn't it? But let me say, it, you know, it may be simple, but it's not always easy. It's simple, but it is so profound. And when you get it, you won't lose it. When you understand, the joy of putting God first. And we wrestle with that. We get uncomfortable with that. I'll just, you know, one little story that I thought of this week. Um, our second daughter, Caroline, she went to UGA, followed, stayed with the Lord, led Bible studies over there as her older sister did, and they shared time over there a couple years. And... Um, Caroline was in a relationship that wasn't real serious and we were glad about that. We didn't want it to get serious. But as she graduated and she you know, leaves to the next phase of her life, it's kind of like a little, it's, there's a cling on, there's a little um, soul tie, but not anything terribly gripping or unhealthy, but it was more than we liked. We prayed that joker out of her life. Thank God. God answered us. And um, he, he wasn't a bad kid, I, I, honestly. But he just wasn't, it wasn't right. Well, so Caroline's been in Cleveland getting her master's. And just this past year, she came to a place where she was totally free from that relationship. And I mean, you know, like totally, not faking it, not holding her breath, she was done. She didn't have to prove it, like or any. It was over. And she came to a place with the Lord where she said, You're all I need. I'm not going to be concerned about where my husband is. I'm, I, that's not my focus. It's me and you. And I'm following my calling. We remember when it happened and she's been a very dedicated and disciplined young lady since she was a kid so is erica and this past september god brings a man into her life that we go you just know when your parent you're like if they get together it might be over this this joker could be related to us one day And I don't want to jump the gun, and there may be people see this from other states, but here's the deal. I do think, you know, I mean, and we've, I don't know how y'all are. I've told our kids, when you find the right one, there's no sense in waiting nine years to get married. Now give us, you know, nine or 10 days, but don't don't be doing, there's no sense in stringing it out. And all of us will know, and if that, and you know what, um, I think we know. But here's the deal. She came to a place where she said, "You're all I need." She told her mother, "I was almost mad at him for coming into my life now, because I knew." who he was but I was so enjoying him like who raised that child (laughs) Canada said I did thank you very much (laughs) My, my point is we've raised our children this way our family we try to do this if you put God you can't put him first for six weeks to see if it works You put him first. And all these things, what things? Not just the clothes like the lilies and the food like the sparrows. You know, not just impressing people with you. Everything you need. And if you do Psalm 37 4 with this, delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart too. He might know what I'm talking about, He might know what I'm saying is true. It's true from the Word of God. Now, okay, Pastor Joe, how do I put God first? It starts by, number one, surrendering to Him. You got to surrender. Number two, you got to learn to crucify your flesh. And number three, you must learn to walk in the Spirit. Now, we're going to go we're going to break each of those down for a little bit but everybody listen the Holy Spirit's job is to shape Jesus in you. Everything the Holy Spirit is doing in Chuck Ramsey is he's a he's a Michelangelo creating a piece of art. And deep inside of me is a Jesus. And he's he's working to chip away and get all the Chuck Ramsey away so that Jesus can be seen in me. He's doing the same thing in you. And the divine DNA of God's Son is in you and His Holy Spirit is working in you to bring that out and to set you free from yourself so that Jesus can be seen and you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's a battle raging between the Holy Spirit and what He wants and your flesh and what you want. So there are some obstacles that keep us from being able to stay on track and keep God, his kingdom first. Number one is ignorance. Some people have a lack of knowledge. And I listen, I don't mean they've never read the scripture. There are people that read the scripture who still have a lack of knowledge. They don't understand, they don't believe it. There may be even Christians you can have the Spirit of God in you and let your flesh stay in the driver's seat and live a carnal life. And you may be going to he- heaven, but you're going to look like hell when you get there. And that that's why a lot... And so they're ignorant. And they're not in a church or in accountability. or They don't have Christian friends that stretch them and, and, and encourage them to understand what the standard is to keep God first. Second is our past keeps us from being able to do it. There are hurts. There are wounds. There is a breach of fatherly male trust. And when we see that God is a father, we just struggle with that. Uh, It's very common. And so we have a hard time trusting God intimately and going all the way with him and fully surrendering him, surrendering to him. The other thing is look at me, everybody. Some people do it and go, wow, that's awesome. And then there are distractions that come anybody ever dealt with any distractions ever like we live it's an away game for us christians living on planet earth the spirit of the world stands behind that backboard when you're trying to make free throws to win the game and it's doing this number whoo nobody in the whole coliseum wants you to make those free throws it's an away game there are distractions and there. are some of us, it's like, I want to, I want, it's Romans 6 and 7. I want to do this, but I can't. We get distracted. And then fourthly, and this is what I think is the biggest one: our flesh. How many of you like to be delivered of the flesh like right now? come on, we got 18 of us. Anybody? Imagine what God could do in this place if we got our flesh under control. It'd be heaven. Literally. So let's talk about our flesh. The flesh, it's so tricky. It can even keep you from realizing that you haven't made God first. The flesh is like, no, no, we're good. Yeah, He's first. I'm down with that. The flesh will manipulate you and Lead you astray. That's why you need to walk in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will say, no, He ain't good. The Holy Spirit will remind you and convict you. How many of you know conviction is a good thing? Especially when you touch a hot eye. How many of you are thankful your children get convicted when they want to p- put their tongue in an outlet? How many of you are glad? Because they'll only do it once. It's not a bad thing. Holy Spirit is in us. What? You gotta be. You you pray they never do, but sometimes look, you're just like them. You tell them, listen, don't do it. How many things do your children? They just don't believe you, and you saying don't do it makes them want to do it. They're born in sin too. We walk around as adults going, "Mm." ah, what you doing to me? That's what we do. You know, we got to go get counseling, find some pills to help us sleep at night. Y'all know what I'm. I'm at the right church. I know that this morning. So let me introduce one thing. God, I said this last week, but I didn't break it down. God can't be second. He he. He is unable to do it. Genesis chapter 4, you may remember Cain and Abel. And people have said, for years, why did God not accept Cain's offering, but he did accept Abel's? And there's a lot of writ- stuff written. But I think we miss what's clear on the face of it. Look what it says in verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain, look, listen to this, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. He, he was a farmer. So he just casually thought, I'm going bring an offering to God. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Anybody see any different? And Abel, he brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Now look, As we talked about last week, when that little lamb gave birth, he brought that sheep to the Lord, the first one. And he didn't bring the ground chuck. He didn't bring the shoulder or the flank. He brought the prime rib to the Lord. That's why God blessed Abel's and didn't bless Cain's. What you, well, Pastor Jeff, what do you mean God can't be second? I don't, I don't see that in the word. There, listen, I don't see that in the word. There are things God is unable to do. Look, at, he can't act outside of his character. A great study for us on Wednesday night would be the attributes of God. To understand, it's called, the, the big word for it is the, the immutability of God. He is not able to mutate. Hebrews 13, 8. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, if God could change, that would mean he was able to improve. He can't improve. He's certainly not going to decrease in his virtue or power. He's perfect. Let that sink in. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Another thing, God can't think the way we think. He can't change. He can't think like we think. How do we think? We think to figure things out. We think to have aha moments. What we're talking about this year of getting it. Isaiah 55, verse 8, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher. They have a better quality. I'm on a different plane. And that's why he said, and I sent my word so that I can help you think like I think. God never. Ha- God's omniscient. He's omni-science. He knows all about science. Everything. To know, he already knows it. As Robert Morris says, he said, God will never have a thought and go, oh, Oh myself. <laughs> he never will. This this relates to what we're talking about. He can't change, he can't change the way he thinks. And God can't be second. Why? He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Look, these are I know these are seminary words, but If we can break them down, it helps us understand how we need to walk Monday through Friday. Look, He's preeminent. He can't be second. He's not only first. Everybody listen. He's before first. He's preeminent. He is... Before all, higher than all, above all. He's first, and whatever is before that, He's that too. Read Not now, but Colossians 1, 15 through 19. It says, all things were created through Him and for Him. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a couple days. All things are created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in everything, He might be preeminent. God is first. We talk about putting Him first and we go, Yep, Pastor Chuck, I'm there. I'm putting Him first. And, And that's good. He's first whether we put Him first Or not, please, this is getting ready to get deep. He's first, whether you put him first in your life or not. Understand this, he can't be second. He can't allow you to put him second in your world because he is first throughout the universe and beyond. That's the way the Milky Way, the galaxy, the universe, and everything that's known to us and not known. He's first. And if in your little planet you go, not, nah, he's tied for first or he's second. Do you understand how chaotic your little globe is going to be on your planet? Because he's not second. He's preeminent. And like Caroline learned, put him first. Because all of the Milky Way in the galaxy, all the laws in the universe make him number one. I need to get my game into Matthew 6.33 and let my little train line up with all the laws throughout the universe. And God, you're number one in my life too. Is this making sense to anybody? You can't violate it. And know this about Him. God never asks us to do anything He hasn't already done. He never asks you to give more than He has already given. And this should make our worship just come alive. What do you mean? Well, just, 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 just break this thing down. You know, in the Old Testament, God said... About the lamb, that's a clean animal. The donkey is not a clean animal. So bring the lamb to me, I'm ready to receive it. The donkey, I'm not. It will need a clean animal sacrificed to redeem it. You can keep it and you'll need it and you can use it, but it's not clean, so bring something clean so we can redeem that. That will be the tie that makes that right. If you don't, That donkey will not be blessed. What did God do with us? Were we clean or unclean when we were born? What did God do? He gave His firstborn, His lamb, to redeem us donkeys. And He did it. And when you think about tithe and giving and sacrifice... None of us have ever been required to give at the level God gave. Because He created us in His image. We are in His nature. He wants us to know Him so that we can know ourselves. So that in knowing Him, we can realize all this stuff in seeking you and your kingdom and your righteousness first that helps me live in my purpose and my calling created in your image a little lower than the angels so that i can romans 5 17 i can rule in my life and not be ruled by other people's life or chaos in my life is anybody tracking making sense of what i'm saying this is profound you go Pastor chuck all right, we're going to do it. Just We're going to make him first. No, I want you to just understand all this, that the reason that makes it work, making him first. And so, that let's go back and talk about that biggie, the flesh, the stinky flesh. Now look here. I am and you are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. My spirit is where I got regenerated, redeemed, saved. I didn't get saved in my body. I didn't get saved in my soul. My spirit was vacant or dead, and when God saved me by His grace, Holy Spirit took up residence, and now, look, the divine nature of God is in me. And it's coming body, I mean spirit, so it comes to my soul, my mind, will, and motions, the way I think, the way I feel, and how I make decisions. I've taught extensively on that. Me being saved, my soul now needs to be restored or renewed. Can I get a witness? So the way I think, the way I feel, the way I make decisions, I've got to get restored and renewed. Hallelujah. The soul is like the seat of my human personality. The soul is close to what we would call our flesh. Sark's is the Greek word. There's flesh that covers my bones. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about my human nature, my soul. And then my body, God can heal. And if I abide and understand that this is the temple to carry His Spirit that came in me, I'll take care of this body. I'll renew this mind so all those preeminent things and, and principles can come forth in my body and I can walk in wholeness healing, deliverance and purpose. Is anybody out there? Anybody tracking with me? Just look over at your neighbor and say just it'll hit you when you get home I promise you just just hang on. So flesh um, define flesh the Bible does for us look what it says in Galatians 5 I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you even want to do because you've been regenerated. You've been saved. You want to please God but you get distracted or you're past. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Now listen to this list. Sexual immorality, pornography, impurity. You're just not able to think in a wholesome way. Your mind's in the gutter way too often. Sensuality. Idolatry. You put golf and bass pro shops or Nordstrom's. What other people think of you, there's idols that you've built up sorcery. I'm gonna work and manipulate, and I'm gonna work the system, and I'm gonna make. I'm gonna find meaning one way or another. Oh, no, you're not. Enmity, strife. We could talk about each, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit. Look, the kingdom of God. If I let my flesh just stay in the driver's seat, seeing first the kingdom, understanding his principles, how things work in his planet, I won't be. This doesn't mean you won't get to go to heaven. This means you won't inherit how he wants to work in your life on this side of eternity. So we need to deal with our flesh. What we just said in these three in these verses is a couple of uh, three things. Number 1 the holy spirit and your flesh are in an ongoing epic battle. They war against each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you want you're rooting for the holy spirit in you to win and beat your flesh to death? Number 2, if you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh and you won't be under the law. Feeling like I've got to please God, I've got to pray in King James, I've got to feel spiritual. No. You'll be free. Earlier in this chapter, he says it's for freedom. He set you free. Lastly, number three, if you let your flesh stay in the driver's seat, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know what we're going? This is the last thing for me to tell you. I'm worn out, Pastor Chuck. I just want to learn how to make God first in my life. Okay, here's the thing. You've got to deal with your flesh. How do we deal with our flesh, Pastor Chuck? It must be crucified. And you need to understand this. Your flesh has an amazing ability to do two things. Camouflage itself and resurrect itself. How many of you c- kill your flesh every morning and you realize before lunch, that thing has just got the power of resurrection up on itself? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Seriously. Seriously. If we don't embrace this and understand the practicality of this, we won't value walking in the Spirit. And so we'll go to the same clubs everybody goes. I'll listen to the same radio stations as everybody. I'll feed my flesh and go, why is my flesh so strong? Because I'm feeding it. People come, you know, I had somebody a long time ago say, Pastor Chuck, you know, when I bring my friends from work, it's like you damage their pride. I said, well, shoot, I didn't mean to do that. I was trying to kill it. <laughs> I said that to him. This is so not in vogue, and it should be. This is the Bible. This is the one, this is we're talking, we're worshiping the Savior who said, Hey, let the dead bury their dead. You ain't got time to go deal with a bunch of religious people who are vipers and They worry about keeping the outside of the cup clean and the inside, there's maggots in that thing. This is the savior who said, hey, I've come not to bring peace. What? But a sword. If you love your father and your mother more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. What? This is the one we're talking about. Now don't go, whoa, you just went hardcore on us. Now, I'm trying to go hardcore on your flesh because instead of killing it, we we negotiate with it. And your flesh wants three things. It wants to be comfortable. It wants things to be convenient. And it wants to stay in control. Are y'all out there this morning? I'm preaching better than y'all are nodding your head. I, I'm preaching to me. Because my flesh resurrects. My flesh camouflages itself, talks me out of it. Listen, this is why we fast. What do you do? How's your fast going? I wish two things. I wish, number one, you could hear me talk to my flesh. You would go, dang, he is, he's like violent. I am. I'll I'll go by, you know, I I had to go into Whole Foods this week to get some juice stuff. You've been to Whole Foods on a fast when you're fasting food. You just go. You just, this 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 is some stuff I have gotten. When I was a kid, God spoke to me and said, fasting will be key to your anointing throughout your ministry. Fasting is, I'm getting ready to bring it. Food is overrated. You don't have to say amen. We worship food. Food promises to bring fulfillment. And all it brings is gas. And and heartache. And a $42 bill. And most Americans leave that great meal they've been dreaming about all day why did i eat so much you should listen to us food doesn't deliver it doesn't satisfy it's necessary and i love it but there's a way to eat it and not let it kill and cause your flesh to rise up this is one reason i fast every once in a while i realize i am too my my flesh was in the driver's seat and i didn't even realize it And you go, shut up. No, we're not eating. You don't eat it. Do you know what? after a while, my body starts telling me, I'm not hungry. And then I start going, I can't even tell if I'm hungry anymore. My stomach stopped making sounds. And my stomach, it feels full. And I haven't eaten in blah, blah, blah. I wish you could hear me, and I wish number two, I wish you could see in the spirit, unseen world, what happens when we fast and pray, and we kick our flesh out of the driver's seat. Are y'all out there? Anybody with me this morning? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just close sometime in the next few minutes, making no promises. Let me just tell you a story. I am. Gonna- I I go to Guatemala this past week, and last time I was there, I was deathly ill. Dying was not a bad option. I, I felt that bad. But I feel called, and you've heard me say, you know, all international mission trips, you deal with sickness. It's just part of it. You can't go, well, I want to be comfortable. It's inconvenient. I like to be in control. You know, it's so good to be seeking the Lord this week being in Guatemala. Do you know the number of things that you go, your flesh just goes, ah, I'm brushing my teeth, you can't, don't drink the water, so I rinse my toothbrush after I'm brushing my teeth, and I, I know, use the bottle of water, you don't have to rinse it like you do at home, but just rinse it, and two or three times, I, I'm rinsing it under the sink before I realize it, and you, this is what we need to be on to go, oh, God, I did it, and didn't even realize it, you know, you go Guatemala and you're, you're riding in an, a Suburban with 300,000 miles on it, literally, and you're going four hours away from Guatemala City, and Guatemala is like the Rocky Mountains with no snow on them, and they drive 95 miles an hour around 18 wheelers going over a hill Where's David? Am I right, David? You're the chairman of the board of that ministry. You could talk to them about how they drive. We would appreciate it. Gwen, am I right? It is, and you're in the driver's, I mean, you're in the passenger seat, and your flesh wants to go, excuse me, Hector. Yo quiero a tomar, por favor, please. I want to drive, please. And you you learn. I'm, I'm saying all this. It's a week of going, Chuck Ramsey, crucify the flesh. You don't get to eat your food. You don't get to, you're not on your schedule. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. And you're not going to be in control. And here's my point. I don't know what the percentage is, but somewhere around 95% of Americans go, I, I can't go on an international trip. I'm not even going to consider it when it might be the thing that would set you free. And let me remind you this. Seeking God is like that. You learn to deny your flesh so that your spirit, you can be in tune with what God is saying. Let me just tell you one one more story, and I'm closing. I I didn't plan this, but I'm reminded, I think it was three years ago. How long have y'all been married, Erica? You and Joey? Two and a half. So it was three years ago. This month, we were doing the Daniel fast. And... um, When I fast food and I only do liquids, coffee is one of them that I do. But I don't do food. And I've told people, I drink coffee on my fast, not for me, but for you. Because you don't want me up here with no coffee in my system. Um, And the Lord is dealing with me about that. We got a bag of decaf and we're going to mix it. I'm going to wean myself to where I'm not so... um, I love my coffee in the morning. And it, it's become an issue. And I'm willing to give it up to the Lord. But, so we're fasting three years ago. And Erica, she tells us, she wasn't married. She'd graduated. She would graduated. It's a long story. Was in a relationship. And she didn't feel like it was Lord's will for her to stay in it. She gave it up. As she graduated and came home. And we're like, oh my goodness. We got a 23-year-old daughter coming home single living at home and in January when we started fasting Erica said she felt led to fast coffee and we were like I'm glad you feel led try not to make me feel led because I ain't going for that and Candace and I we just that's how she is we just admired her for it and she was teaching early elementary school and she's been drinking coffee since she Walk virtually. And she had a migraine that was, it incapacitated her. And she would not give him. She went to work. And we watched her. And as her dad, I wanted to say, Erica, look, God knows your heart. You know, what you're offering to God is so sincere and pure. You don't have to do this. She looked at me like, "Dad, I follow him." I think it was four days after that she met Joey. She's here in Atlanta. He's in Anchorage, Alaska. She knows no one that knows him, except some teacher that happened to be at that school who was impressed with her character. And she told Joey's mother, I think I know your future daughter in law. Long story short, Joey's in for a little Christmas break, and they go to for coffee. <laughs> for coffee a coffee house in Gainesville, Georgia and we're thinking this might go an hour hour and a half if they hit it off and I got on his Instagram and I stalked the you know what out of him. and I said to Candace if this guy has a brain I saw what kind of person he was I said if he has a brain he graduated from West Point he probably does if he has a brain it's over and it was like four or five hours later we finally got a text from her and we were like it's over Why would I tell you that story? You won't bring anything to the Lord in sacrifice when you crucify your flesh that He won't reward. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I just, let's let's let Holy Spirit just right now, would you stand to your feet all over the room? God is speaking to us. And I want to just say, imitate me as I imitate God as we imitate Christ, as we point the way to Him all over the room, what are you doing on this first part of the year to seek the Lord? You don't have to do what I do, what any of my girls did. What are you doing